Okay, sorry I'm late. Um, I had just got back from physical therapy with my my son. Uh, Paul had his knee reconstructed, and so he that was his first PT appointment. He had surgery uh, Monday, um, and we had to go get physical therapy. So I got back here, and then I got a little distracted. But I apologize for making you wait a few extra minutes. Um, the uh, the word someone just asked her is the word Romanism derogatory when referring to Roman Catholicism? I don't think so, uh, because there's a Catholic a theologian apologist named Scott Hahn who has a tape series called Romanism and Romans. So I don't I don't know. Uh, it's it's shorter than Roman Catholicism, but you know for what it's worth, I hope it's not. If it's derogatory, I did I certainly didn't mean for it to be. Uh, but I wanted to um, respond to an email that I got from a young Christian who's been struggling a little bit because he's been um, listening to and watching videos by Roman Catholic apologists and uh, YouTube YouTubers who are Roman Catholic. And it's been a, it's amazing to read his email. Um, he's got, I've got two of them here by this fellow. And <clears throat> to see the, the amount of confusion um, that these guys are capable of creating is really incredible because the Bible is really, really clear. Um, it's not, you know, overly hard to, I think, understand uh, when it comes to uh, especially the gospel and how you can be saved and how you can be made right with God. And uh, I've pulled up a couple of uh, articles. I actually put them up on my phone. I need to pull them up on my computer here. Let me pull this up here. Um, yeah, there it is. <laughs> Save my Google search there. There, you have to go out that article about grace in Catholicism and how confusing it is. Uh, but it's it's written by them, um, and it's got a, a what's called a nihil abstat, which means nothing objectionable in Latin, and imprimatur, which means let it be printed. So it's supposedly approved of by the Roman Catholic religion. But anyway, I wanted to read this guy's email and, and just make some comments on it here. And then go to the Word of God and let the scriptures have the, the final say, uh, because... Um, while all things in scripture are not alike plain in themselves, nor alike clear unto all, yet those things which are necessary to be known, believed, and observed for salvation are so clearly propounded and opened in one place or another that not only the learned, but the, but the unlearned with a due use of ordinary means can attain to a sufficient understanding uh, of it. And that's what our confession, I believe that's point number six or seven of, of chapter one of the Westminster Confession. And I'd like to demonstrate that. Okay, this fellow says here, I've been learning more about the gospel and have found your videos very helpful. However, I have been really struggling with Roman Catholicism versus Protestantism, and it is very stressful considering if I come to the wrong conclusion, it could be a hell-damning error. I sometimes come across videos like this one, for example, and it's a it's a short. Um, now, I want to play this because I actually watched this a couple times. It's, it's, it's only like less than a minute, but it's it's really bad. <laughs> This is just really, really, really bad. But here, let me, uh, hopefully, hopefully the sound is good. Protestants always quote Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 to say we're saved by faith, not works. That's because that's what it says. <laughs> uh, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works lest anyone should boast. So can you imagine why Protestants might quote that? And he's going to go on here and, and uh, talk about verse 10. I, for my part, I don't uh, leave out verse 10. Verse 10 is essential. It is essential. And I'd like to, to let's play the rest of this fellow's quote here. 
So what he's going to say, go on to say, is uh, you can't work your way into heaven. It's not We're not saved by our works, but we're saved by our works that we do with the help of grace. <laughs> so there. Nope. They thought they were saved by keeping the Ten Commandments. They thought that they were saved by obeying God's law and by being circumcised and keeping the dietary restrictions. Okay. Um, yeah, always watch out for that. When people say our own efforts can do nothing, but um, Rome does teach that we are justified by our own works. That we do with the help of grace. These folks, they really, they really do think, they really think that as long as they say that grace is necessary, that they're they're okay. Because they'll, they'll look you square in the eyes. I've had many Roman Catholic apologists and, and people do this through the years. We don't believe, we don't teach salvation by works. We're not Pelagians, we're not even semi-Pelagians. We believe it's all by the grace of God alone, the grace of God alone. Right. So what they really are saying then is. You're not saved by works. You're saved by works done with the help of grace. So works that you do on your own, those don't save you. But works that you do with the help of grace, they do save you. Now, let's let him, let him finish here. So that's called a contradiction. Let's actually go to the Word of God. Let's listen to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's a lot clearer, a lot easier to understand than this fellow. Okay, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, over the years uh, with my children... Uh, I have played the devil's advocate, and I've tried to see if I could trip them up on this passage. And I've read it and tried to do what this, what that guy in that video did. And say, okay, kids, so uh, we're saved by grace through faith, not by works, lest anyone should boast. Boast, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. So the good works that save us are done with the help of grace. Right, kids? And they'll look back at it. No, Dad, it says... You're saved by grace through faith, not by works. But but verse 10 says that, that that we are his workmanship creating Christ Jesus for good works. Yeah, we're saved for good works, not with the help of good works, or not by good works done by grace, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. It's just, it's so simple. It's so simple. The passage is easy to understand. We are not saved by works in any sense whatsoever. Now that guy tried to slide it in there at the end by saying they thought we they were justified and saved by circumcision. They thought they were saved and justified by keeping the entire law, not just the, the ceremonial aspects, but all of it. And when Paul excludes works of law, he is including, you shall not steal. You shall not commit idolatry. You, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not have any graven images. He's including all of that, not just cere uh, ceremonial works, not just circumcision. In fact, before Paul summarizes there in Romans 3, by saying, therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh shall be justified in his sight. What is he talking about when he says deeds of law there? Well, it's everything he's been talking about so far. Um, he says there in uh, Romans chapter 2, um, 
beginning at verse uh, 18 there, uh, verse 19, are confident, talking about the Jews, that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of babes, having the form of knowledge and truth in the law. You, therefore, who teach another, do you not teach yourself? You who preach that a man should not steal, do you steal? Question, is the prohibition against stealing a ceremonial work? No, it's part of the Decalogue. It's part of the Ten Commandments. And this guy tried to, you know, Roman Catholic apologists, really every, every form of neo-legalism out there, including Romanism, tries to limit works of law to merely circumcision, merely ceremonies. But Paul is very clear that the law that he's talking about is ceremonies, dietary laws, and the Ten Commandments. But this guy said, you got to keep the Ten Commandments. It's necessary. We're not saved by anything we do, but you got to keep the commandments to go to heaven. That's a contradiction. If we're not saved by anything that we do, then we're not saved by keeping the Ten Commandments. You see, folks, what, what these folks constantly get wrong, and they get it wrong because they don't believe in Sola Scriptura, and, I, and I'm convinced that I've been saying this for more than half my lifetime now. If you don't believe in Sola Scriptura, you can't do biblical interpretation. If you don't believe in Sola Scriptura, you will not understand the Bible, period. End of discussion, case closed. Okay, when Paul excludes works, he's excluding any activity done by us or in us for our salvation. We are not saved by anything that we do with or without the help of grace. We're not saved by anything that we do with or without the help of grace. In fact, I remember going through this with a Roman Catholic apologist, Romans 11.6. And it, this was really, I wish I still had those electronic dialogues because they're so useful. Um, Romans 11, 6, and if if by grace, then it is no longer of works, otherwise grace is no longer grace. And I said, what do you, how, is you, how do you understand? You're trying to tell me that we're saved not by our works. We can't earn our way to heaven, but we are saved by works we do with the help of grace. Paul says that if we're saved by grace, it's not by works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. And he said, yeah, the works that, we, that we're saved by are done with the help of grace. <laughs> I'll go, look at the passage again. If by grace, then it is no longer of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. Yeah, he would say, yeah. Um, the, the works that save us are done with the help of grace, not without the help of grace. I'm like, wow. Um, what, what is this show? The, the text can be absolutely unassailable and completely opposed to your position. But you can't see it because you don't believe in Sola Scriptura. Another thing I've often told uh, my kids, and I've preached on these passages many times, Mark chapter 7 and, and Matthew chapter 15, it is very obvious that the Corban rule, remember that, that Corban rule, the idea that whatever, whatever money I would have used to help my parents in their old age to take care of them is a gift devoted to God. And that was a, a, a tradition that the Jewish people felt had been passed on outside of scripture uh, through the rabbis uh, from, it's from actually, actually it's from Tractate Avoth uh, in the Talmud. Uh, they thought it was a divine tradition. Now, it is obvious, obvious that this tradition violates the fifth commandment. And Jesus said that to them. He said, you make void the commandment of God for your tradition. You say that whatever help you would have given to your parents is a gift devoted to God. Is a gift devoted to God. It's obvious that's a violation of the fifth commandment. But the Pharisees couldn't see it. They didn't listen to Jesus say that and then go, oh, wow, you're right. Yeah, that does violate the fifth commandment. No. They didn't believe in Sola Scriptura, and so they couldn't see it, okay? Those that deny Sola Scriptura cannot do biblical exegesis. They will make statues of the Virgin Mary and kneel down in front of them, light candles, pray in front of them. 
But because they don't believe in Sola Scriptura, they don't see that that's a violation of the Second Commandment, which it plainly is. Yeah, there's a Catholic person over your question. Does, does that mean for 1,500 years the church pre-Protestantism didn't understand the Bible because the souls didn't exist? Were they even saved? Yes, the people before Protestantism <laughs> understood the Bible uh, very well. In fact, uh, Cosmere, let me uh, read you a quotation here. Um, okay, uh, let me read this to you here. Um, okay, um, let me read your quotation. You tell me if this fits with Roman Catholic theology. All right, so if I can find it here. All right, this is, uh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to tell you who it is or when it was written. One for the corruptible, the immortal one for those who are mortal. For what other thing was capable of covering our sins than his righteousness? By what other one was it possible that we, the wicked and ungodly, could be justified than by the only Son of God? O oh, sweet exchange, O oh, unsearchable operation, O oh, benefits surpassing all expectation, that the wickedness of many should be hid in a single righteous one, and that the righteousness of one should justify many transgressors. That's from the Epistle of Mathetes to Diognetus in the year 130 A.D. Now, is that what you're taught in your Catholic Church? Yeah, the righteousness of Jesus Christ is what covers our sins, and it's not by our works. Okay, let's let's look at another one. Um, uh, let's see. Here we go. All right, uh, from Clement, around the year 96 uh, AD. And we too, being called by his will in Christ Jesus, are not justified by ourselves, nor by our wisdom, or understanding, or godliness, or works, which we have do done in holiness of heart, but by that faith through which from the beginning Almighty God has justified all men, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Did, did he not get the memo uh, about... Uh, different kinds of merit and purgatory and status passio and uh, indulgences and everything else. You're not Roman Catholic. What are you then? Are you Eastern Orthodox or, or what? It doesn't really matter. Uh, your question is, um, uh, is, is a good question regardless. It's a question we get constantly. Um, also, uh, I say, let God be true and every man a liar. Um, we're not supposed to say, well, if this is true, then that would mean that these people that we like might not might not have been saved. We're supposed to go with what Scripture says. We're supposed to, to be in, a, in submission to the authority of God speaking in Scripture. Okay, so this fellow tries to say that because good works are commended in Ephesians 2, verse 10, that therefore we're saved by him. Listen to this guy again. Listen to it, listen to it again. I put it first. But we can do works with the help of grace that have meritum de congruo and, and congruently merit our eternal life. Really? That's not kind of the sound that's not coming through? Okay. Nuts. I can't believe that. Why would the sound not come through on that? Oh, well. Sorry about that. No one can hear the sound of this guy talking. Here, I'll post the video in the chat thing and you guys can listen to it on your own computer. There you go. Anyway, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 couldn't be clearer, um, but let me go back to this fellow's email and read a little bit more of it here. 
And I find myself agreeing with most of what he says about the gospel, even though he's a Catholic. Uh, well, he, he's not overly clear. Um, he really needs to, to point out uh, the fact that people like Matthias Prem and others um, have said very clearly. Um, let me find that here. Matthias Prem. Um, earn heaven. Oops. Okay. Uh, where is it there? Um, let's see. I have to find it. It is a universally universally accepted church or heaven by good works. I think that's what it was, wasn't that? Um, yeah, there here we go. Universally, yeah. It is a universally accepted dogma of the Catholic Church that man, in union with the grace of the Holy Spirit, must merit heaven by his good works. That's from Dogmatic Theology for the Laity. And uh, as he goes on to say, heaven must be fought for. We have to earn heaven. Now, they would not say that it's strict merit, but that it's congruent merit. It's something that's fitting. It is It is fitting um, that God can reward it. And uh, anyway, that's, that's how uh, salvation works in that system. Okay, this fellow goes on in his email. An argument that I saw uh, that I saw that made me question my position was Trent Horn's use of modus ponens, which get, modus ponens is Latin. Um, that's a, a logical issue. Um, which goes, if you are saved, then you will get baptized and obey Christ. If P, then Q. You did not get baptized and you did not obey Christ, not Q. Therefore, you are not saved, not P. His point in saying this, from my understanding, is that if you say we are saved by faith alone, but not by a faith that is alone, it is equivalent to saying we are saved by faith and works. That is just not true. Recognizing that there are other things that accompany true faith is not to say that those things are the cause of our salvation. Folks, think about it. Now, we have a garden. We planted a garden this year. And there's cucumbers and green beans and tomatoes. Those plants are already the kind of plant that they are. They don't become, the, the, the plant doesn't become a cucumber plant by bearing uh, cucumbers. Okay, the tomato plants don't become tomato plants by bearing tomatoes. It only makes it known what kind of plant they already are. A person is justified by faith alone. What that means is the righteousness by which a person is declared righteous before God and saved is that righteousness, the personal righteousness that was achieved and performed by Jesus Christ and by Jesus Christ alone. That's the point that he's making. Okay, that's what we're talking about when we say that we're justified by faith alone, but not by a faith that is alone. Um, the other things that, that always accompany faith, they always accompany it. Okay, God makes the new the person, the new creature, alive in Christ. He makes the, the sinner alive in Christ. He gives them new desires. He breaks their enslavement to sin. But the issue of justification, what the legal grounds of justification is, is always solely, completely, and only the shed blood and the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ. That's what Romans 4 uh, is all about. Abraham believed in Yahweh. Not Abraham worked with the help of grace. But Abraham believed Yahweh, and it was accounted to him for righteousness in Romans 4, 6, just as David speaks of the blessedness of the man to whom, to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works. Okay, so Cosmere says, honestly, just watch the clip. I don't think he said anything wrong. He was right. He's ba he basically said to live your faith. No, he said you're saved by living your faith. <laughs> 
Don't know what the guy teaches, though. Never seen him before. I don't either. No idea who he is. Uh, but he's uh, Roman Catholic. And that's very typical of, what, of the way they try to couch their faith to make it something that's palatable to evangelicals. We're not saved by works. We're not saved by anything that we do. But then you find out what they really say is you are saved by works and you are saved what you by what you do done with the help of grace. And scripture says if we're saved by grace, we're not saved by works in any sense whatsoever. Okay, we, we do good works. We do good works um, to manifest our salvation. Yeah, he did. Yes, yes, he did. Yes, he did. I wish we could. I can't believe that, that the, um, the fact here. While we're doing this, since you guys can't hear it, uh, I'm gonna record it. I'm gonna record it on my phone and then play it back so you can't hear it. So you can hear what he's saying. Faith is okay. So now let me know if you can hear this. So you can't hear what he's saying. Listen. Through nine to say that we are saved by faith, not works. And what this is saying is that we cannot work our way to heaven. We cannot earn our salvation. We can't do works of our own efforts to get there. And we agree the Catholic Church has taught this for 2,000 years. But Jesus Christ has prepared us to walk in good works. And they always leave out verse 10. We don't leave out verse 10. I have never left out verse 10. We've been prepared by God to to walk in good works. We're not saved by them in any sense, but listen, listen to how he does this. Which says that we must walk in good works, which means we have to have them. In other words, we have to have them for what? Listen, listen. To how we can't talking. work our way to heaven by our own efforts. You can't work on your, on your way to heaven by your own efforts. But what he really believes as a Catholic is you can and you must work your way to heaven with the help of grace. Listen. But we can live out our faith, and we should and need to live out our faith by the grace of God. See, there's a big difference. Paul is condemning works because the Jews thought they were just saved by being circumcised. And Wrong. They thought that they were saved by being circumcised and the dietary laws and keeping the Ten Commandments. See, these guys always try to limit it to, oh, he's only saying that circumcision is excluded, but you still have to keep the commandments to be saved. Listen. By their own efforts. And he's saying, no, you can't. It's by grace. Our own Yeah, our own efforts. It's by grace. In other words, your own efforts with the help of grace are what, do, what does it. Listen to how he says it. Efforts do nothing, but we can. But. And should and have to. Have to. You see that, Cosmere? That's how he thinks we're saved. Live out our faith with works. It's necessary. We have to follow the commandments and we have to be obedient to Christ, but it's all by his grace. Hey, listen. The way that the Apostle Paul, the way that the Apostle Paul says this, Romans 3, verse 28. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. So this guy right here, it is not our keeping of the commandments. 
It is not our keeping of the commandments. We are justified by faith in Christ. And always remember this, please. When scripture says that we're justified by faith and not by works, justification is by, if, it, if it's by faith apart from works, then it's by faith alone. What that really is saying is this. Justification is by the righteousness of Christ alone. Listen to Romans chapter 5, the way that Paul describes this. Since our works cannot save us, the good works that we do are the fruit that grows on the tree. Okay, the fruit that grows on the tree does not make the tree good or bad. The fruit that grows on the tree does not make it the kind of tree it is, right? Okay, you go up to a tree, it's, it's not like if it if it grunts hard enough, it can start bearing a different kind of fruit. That, that, fruit, that tree is going to bear the fruit that, that shows what kind of tree it already is. It's the same with human beings. Okay, works do not make a man good or bad. They only make it known to other men whether we are a good tree or a bad tree. Paul in Romans chapter 5 says in uh, verse uh, 16, And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned, namely Adam. For the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation, but the free gift, okay, if, if salvation is a free gift, that means our works play no role in accomplishing it at all. None. But the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. For if by the one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. So here, here's the question I would have for this guy. So when you think about dying, when you think about standing before God, do you have the gift of righteousness? Do you have this gift? Do you have what Paul describes in Romans 4, 6? Just as David describes the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works. Is that what they believe? It's not what they believe. That's not what Rome believes about this stuff. Rome thinks that we're saved and ultimately justified by our good works. At the end of the day, it, we're, we're saved and justified before God by our good works. The canons and decrees of the Council of Trent on justification. I want to read some of this stuff to you. Uh, this is something that a lot of people, um, they just don't really um, <laughs> don't read this stuff anymore, but you need, you need to know this stuff. Okay? Good. Um, I remember reading this stuff years ago. Listen to this. If anyone says, this is what the Roman Catholic Church teaches to this day, every pope that's ever uh, sat on the throne of the, the, chair, the chair of Peter there has had to affirm all these. Canon 32 of session 6. If anyone says that the good works of the one justified are in such manner the gift of, gifts of God that they are not also the good merits of him justified, or that the one justified by the good works that he performs by the grace of God and the merit of Jesus Christ, whose living member he is, does not truly merit an increase of grace, eternal, eternal life, let him be anathema. You hear what that's saying? What the Roman Catholic Church teaches is that you're not saved by works. You're not saved by your good works. You're not saved by anything that you do without the help of grace. But the grace of God comes. The grace of God comes to you. And now, in union with the grace of the Holy Spirit, you merit eternal life by your good works. And that you're justified by the good works you perform by the grace of God. And by the way, those two concepts don't go together. If we're saved by grace, it's not by works. Otherwise, grace isn't grace. Rome says it's grace 
enabled works or, or gr grace and works. Paul says, if it's by grace, it's not by works. Now, immediately people say, well, you're just saying you can just live like a pig and like a dog and still go to heaven. Of course not. God changes the sinner's heart. God dethrones the power of sin. Now, a lot of people don't even understand what the Roman Catholic Church really means by grace. There's an article here. I'll put a, a link to it in the uh, chat thing. I might even I might even try to get a link to this into the, into the description. Uh, so here, here's a, an article I'm reading from here. This is from Catholic Answers, a Catholic apologetics organization. Okay, listen. If you took your parish's catechism classes when you were growing up, you at least remember that there are two kinds of grace, sanctifying and actual. That may be all you recall. The names being so similar, you might have the impression sanctifying grace is nearly identical to actual grace. Not so. Sanctifying grace stays in the soul. It's what makes the soul holy. It gives the soul supernatural life more properly. It is supernatural life. So what, what Rome teaches is that at your baptism, sanctifying grace is infused into your soul. And it will stay there until or if you commit a mortal sin. Now, mortal sin is called mortal because it's so serious that it kills the sanctifying grace that was infused into you at your baptism. And that's why you have to go to penance and get justified again. You have to get absolution from a priest. And that's why the Council of Trent called the sacrament of penance the, quote, second plank of justification for those who have made shipwreck of their souls, end quote. Now, listen to the next paragraph. Actual grace, by contrast, is a supernatural push or encouragement. It's transient. It doesn't live in the soul, but acts on the soul from the outside, so to speak. It's a spiritual kick in the pants. It gets the will and intellect moving so we can seek out and keep sanctifying grace. Okay, now, <clears throat> I remember reading that article a long time ago and thinking that is certainly the, the most crass way I've ever heard any kind of grace um, describe it, um, a spiritual kick in the pants. It's like, get moving and get your, uh, get your act together. Get, get your act together. <laughs> a spiritual kick in the pants. That's not what grace is. Okay. In scripture, grace is a disposition within God that he freely gives to undeserving sinners, whereby he acts in their behalf in Jesus Christ and secures everything necessary for their salvation. That's what grace is. Grace is unconditional election. Grace is the effectual call of God uh, upon his elect people and his decreed and sovereign time whereby he makes them alive in Christ and draws them to himself. Okay, let's let's see here. Let me wow, there's a bunch of other stuff going here. Here, Michael Brash. I hope your son is doing well. Yeah, he's a he's a warrior. He actually hurt his knee doing jujitsu, and he was uh he's a tough, tough kid, so. He's 21. He's getting married in a month, so he wants to be able to dance a little bit at his wedding. And the PT guy today said his knee looked really good, um, even though it had surgery Monday. But they got a 90-degree bend out of it, and he, they gave him a whole bunch of exercises. I ordered one of those um, electrical things. You put the pads on and, like, turn it on and, like, shock some muscles to make them contract. There. So we'll probably have some fun with that. Um, sorry, let me see who else is here. Faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ equals salvation. Amen. Not just the intellectual acknowledgement that Christ lived and died, but actually trusting in your heart that he personally died, died for your sins personally. Blue Lantern, that is excellent. Excellent. Very, very well stated there, sir. Very, very good. It's always encouraging to me when it sounds like people are actually listening. <laughs> so that's good. Blue Lantern, whoever you are, um, my hat goes off to you. Okay. Thanks for your sermons and teaching. You're welcome. Um, so true. There's Colin um, Olenicek. Am I saying that right? Um, 
yeah, hey, you and Dane, and say hello to everybody. Say hello to uh, Grace and um, whoever else is uh, there. Um, in the end, man gets some of the credit for salvation. That's right, in the Catholic system. At the end of the day, all they can really say is that, well, you, you couldn't have done it without grace. So grace was necessary, but grace by itself, without the assenting and cooperating of the sinner, um, really is ineffective. It can't accomplish that. So you have to assent and cooperate. And really what the reformers were pointing out, and I'm going to get into that here in a little bit and with more of this fellow's email, that's uh, Pelagianism. That is Pelagianism. And semi-Pelagianism, um, to me, the, the two really are, are so close. I mean, folks, think about it. What really is the, the difference here between saying we save ourselves by our works and we save ourselves by our works with the help of grace? What's the decisive factor in both scenarios? Us, what we do. And then there's the biblical teaching, the Augustinian position. God saves sinners. God saves sinners. Okay. It leaves no room for anyone to take any credit for themselves. Very good. You're right. Um, God works works in us. Yes, he, he does. Um, but the work that he does in us is not what saves us. What saves us is solely, completely, and only the finished work of Jesus Christ. Uh, nothing that we do uh, plays any role whatsoever in getting us into heaven. Uh, our works are the fruits and signs, the evidences of that we are that we are truly born again and justified before God. They do not save us or contribute anything to our getting into heaven. That's why Paul says, justified by faith without works, faith apart from works. By the observance of law, no flesh shall be justified in his sight. When the kindness of law and love of God our Savior appeared towards us, he saved us, not by deeds of righteousness we have done, but according to his mercy. If we're saved by grace, it is not by works. We're saved by grace through faith, not by works, lest anyone should boast. I've often wondered, how else could the man have said it? But as I said, if you don't believe in sola scriptura, you'll make a statue of Jesus and kneel down in front of it. And because your ultimate extra-biblical authority outside of Scripture tells you but that doesn't violate the second commandment, lo and behold, you don't think it does. It's a dangerous game. Sola Scriptura is what God's people have always believed. They never thought that there was a, a fixed body of identifiable, um, observable um, revelation given outside of Scripture um, that, that we're accountable to God for. They didn't believe that. They thought, there, yeah, there were traditions that were passed down, but they weren't divinely given revelation on par with Scripture. They just weren't. They weren't. Okay, you should know them by their fruits. That's right. Good works are fruits of one who is saved, not the cause of salvation. That's right. Christ did 100% of the work. We just need to trust in him. You know, I just I've been reading through John's gospel again, listening to it over and over and over again. Before I come to that phrase, it just brings tears to my eyes. It is finished. And he doesn't mean I have achieved a pool of merit that can then be channeled to people through sacraments or something like that. No, it is finished. The price is paid. The righteousness has been achieved. And the thing is, one of the great, the great truths of the Christian faith, God's people have never trusted in their works to save them. Not even the works they do with the help of God's grace. God's people do not rely upon themselves. I still remember the very first time um, that I ever heard R.C. Sproul talk. I didn't even know who he was. It was on the John Ankerberg show. It was during the Evangelicals and Catholics Together controversy. And he made the statement. He, he said, and I, I've listened to this so many times. I've got a lot of that memorized. He made the statement, when... The Roman Catholic person says they believe Jesus is their Savior. 
do they mean by that? That they are trusting in the imputation of his righteousness to their account by faith alone as the sole cause of their justification before God? Or do they mean that Jesus is their savior in the sense that he gives them the grace and infuses them in them the power to then in cooperation with that grace to do the good works which gain the merit that gain them eternal life? Do you not see that's all the difference in the world? What are you relying on to get you into heaven? Are you relying on, are you trusting in the finished work of Christ? What he did outside of you, or are you trusting in what he's doing in you, or what you think he's doing in you, and the good works that you do? And hopefully you haven't done anything too serious to kill this sanctifying grace, totally unbiblical concept. I have no idea where they would get that from scripture. Sanctifying grace, actual grace, what's the difference? Where, where does the Bible teach all these distinctions? Where does the Bible teach all these distinctions with regard to different kinds of merits? It doesn't. What are you trusting in? What do you believe is going to get you into heaven at the end? Okay, uh, let's see. Wow, other people. There's new people here. That uh, does not mean Roman Catholic. That's right. The Catholic just means universal. Um, that's what. That's one of the ancient marks. That's one of those four really important ancient marks of the church. Uh, one, holy universal, apostolic, you could say Catholic, okay? The thing is, in the ancient church, they would have no idea. If you had said that we're part of the Roman Catholic Church, they probably would have thought that that was a contradiction because the word Catholic means universal. Roman refers to one city or to an empire or something like that. But th today, the term really doesn't, doesn't uh, mean a whole lot. I want good works because of what Jesus did for me. Exactly. The motivation for good works is gratitude not selfishness. I'm not trying to save myself. I don't look at my neighbors as objects through which I can gain merit for myself. They, they are images of God that need my love. And the good works that we do are, are done in response to the, the grace of God, in response to the fact that we're already saved, that we know we're saved, that we, we have that sense of peace and salvation and assurance. I mean, the, the soul that is constantly in limbo about whether, no pun intended, um, about whether or not it's saved or not, that person's not going to be able to do good works, not from the right motive. Okay. Best apologetics, apologetic for witnessing the young Catholics on my campus. Um, lo love them, listen to them, just get them to read scripture. One thing that I've often done with, with Catholic people is say, look, okay, after all these fascinating discussions about different types of merit and purgatory and doing satis passio and suffering of atonement and purgatory from the remaining temporal punishments of my venial sins and how grace accrues to us through the intercession, intercession of Mary and the treasury of merit and indulgence. Go home and read Ephesians. Go home and read Romans all the way through three or four times. And you tell me, is that the Christian faith that these guys taught? Is that the Christian faith the Holy Spirit gave us through their writings that we have in our New Testaments? It's not. Just get them into the text of Scripture. That is their, their primary hope. It really is their only hope, is that they hear the true gospel. Uh, just seriously, yeah, glass, wherever you are there, uh, try, try to get them to read the, the scriptures. See if, the, see if they'll go home and read Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53 um, is like the gospel in the Old Testament. It's so glorious and beautiful and simple and clear. I mean, listen to it. Listen to these, to these verses here. For who, who has believed our report, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness, and when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. 
He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Now listen to this gospel gold here. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Let me get a Bible here real quick. Here's uh, one of my Bibles I like to read from. Uh, my mother took... Um, uh, evangelism explosion training years ago and one of the people they witnessed to they shared this great illustration i used to do this for the kids that we had a good news club years ago um, i would say let's say this book here this is a detailed collection of every sin that i've ever collected in my entire life every sin i've ever committed is here in exacting detail of course this book would be a lot bigger than this but this hand is me where are all my sins right now and the kids would say, they're all on you. And I would say, what happens to me if I die like this? They'd say, well, you would go to hell. That's right. God sent his son. Does Jesus have a book of sins on him? Does he have a list of iniquities on him? No. And the gospel is, Isaiah 53, 6, and I would read this passage from scripture while I, while I was doing this. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquities of us all. And my mother said that they shared that. They did that illustration. And this one person they witnessed to said, would you do that again? <laughs> and they said, sure. So they went through the whole thing again. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquities of us all. And they were like, wow, would you do that again? So they did it again. And the Lord has laid on, well, I just whack my in there. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And they said, I understand Christianity now. For the very first time, I understand it. It's not a religion of ethical improvement, so we're saved. It's a religion of substitution. Once Adam ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, getting into heaven by our good works ceased to be possible. It's off the table now. The good works that we do cannot save us. They can't play any role in saving us because they are always going to be stained with sin. Even the most sanctified Christian person, no matter how godly they are, their works cannot withstand or endure the severity of God's judgment. That's why we have to be hidden in Christ. That's why we need Christ's righteousness to save us. Only Jesus' righteousness, only his keeping of that first commandment and that second commandment, only his Sabbath keeping, only his honoring of his father and mother, only his sexual purity, his contentment, his truthful tongue and mouth and life, only his righteousness has the merit necessary to meet the requirement of the holiness of God. And while that guy, you know, seems like a nice guy, we have to have these. They're necessary. We have to keep the commandments of God. That's actually true. And you can't do it to the satisfaction of the holiness of God. Nobody can. And that's why we need Christ's righteousness. Think of Romans chapter 8. Listen. Romans chapter 8. Great passage. There, Paul, after describing the, the huge struggle with sin, the war we have with sin that's ongoing in our lives, he says there in Romans 8 verse 1, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And he speaks in verse 4 there that, the, that God sent his own son. What the law could not do, what keeping the commandments of God could not do, namely make us right with him, God did. 
by sending his own son. Jesus kept the commandments for us. Verse 4, that the righteous requirement of the law would be fulfilled in us. Well, what am I trusting in to get me past that final judgment? Christ's righteousness. Well, don't you think your works play any role? No, I don't. That's why we're justified by faith apart from works. Faith without works. By the deeds of law shall no flesh be justified in his sight. Well, that's just talking about ceremonial works and dietary works. No, it's talking about the prohibition against stealing, against idolatry, against adultery from Romans chapter 2. It excludes every kind of work there is. That's why Paul says in Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, lest anyone should boast. If you think you're saved by works done with the help of grace, you're, you think we can boast. What's the proper understanding of good works? Verse 10. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk, walk in them. We're not saved with the help of good works, not even good works that we do with the help of grace. We're saved by grace through faith, not by works. Another passage, Romans chapter 4, verses 15 and 16. Listen to me. If you're trusting in your keeping of the commandments, if you're trusting in your keeping of the commandments of the law, Romans 4, 14. For if those who are of the law are heirs, if those who are trusting in their grace-enabled keeping of the commandments, then faith is made void and the promise of no effect, because the law brings about wrath. If you're trusting in your own keeping of the commandments, you're under the wrath of God. The law always brings about wrath. Always brings about wrath. But verse 16, therefore, justifications by faith so that it would be by grace. Can't be by work. If it's by works, it's not grace anymore. If, if justification, if getting into heaven is in any way, shape, or form by works, it's not grace. Justification is by faith. Romans 4, 16. Listen, let me put it over here so everyone can see it. Um, Romans 4, 16. You can post that. Oh, it's saying it's too long. Okay. Man, I can't put one Bible verse over here in the little chat thing. Okay, let's put that, and then here's the rest of it. Therefore, it is of faith, justification is of faith, that it might be according to grace. If you say that our commandment keeping is part of what saves us, it's not grace anymore then. No, we're not saved by grace then. You see, you can't mix grace and works and it still be grace. The idea of grace enabled works that save us, that is not biblical, is found absolutely nowhere in scripture. But these Roman Catholics, they don't believe in sola scriptura. They can't do exegesis. They'll find any anywhere that we're commanded to do good works. See, you're saved by good works that you do with grace's help. There's nothing in scripture about once you're in a state of grace, the good works that you do are then meritorious and you're justified by, keep, by keeping the law or anything like that. The Bible does not teach this. It just does not teach this. Okay, who else is here? Oh, Lee Napier's there. Hey, Lee. Good to see you on there. Um, redeemed only by the blood of the Lamb, not by my works, which are nothing but done. Amen. Amen. Exactly right. Even my righteous deeds, even my righteous deeds I do as a Christian still have enough sin in them to, to condemn me. <laughs> there, there's plenty of ill motives and there's plenty wrong with my good works. Okay? And you just have to, you know, you know what, folks? At the end of the day, only the Holy Spirit of God can really make someone see that. I mean, I can, I can show you the passages. You're saved by grace. It's not by works. Okay, otherwise grace isn't grace. I mean, that's as clear as it could be. But it's clear as it could be to the regenerate. To the unregenerate, deny soul scriptura. They have some authority outside of scripture telling them what they're supposed to find there. Lo and behold, they'll find it. 
and they'll stare into the, the face of passages that deny what they what they believe, and they they won't be corrected by it. But always remember that one of the, one of Scripture's functions is to um, is to correct us. Okay, not even if they believe in Christ by faith through grace, huh? If we are judged by by if we have a wrong doctrine, we are all doomed. It would be not be faith t. Right? Um, there are so many typos in that, dude. I can't understand what you're talking about. There. <laughs> no, we're not saved by correct um, by by articulating theology correctly. We're saved by Christ alone. And even before I understood the doctrine of justification by that name and could give the details, had you pressed me after I, I turned 18, what are you relying on to get you into heaven? Christ, Jesus. So what, what do you think of your works? I was like, my works can't save me at all. You know why I always knew that? Because Jesus Christ taught me how to believe that. John 6, verses 44 and 45. Let me get these over here. John 6. This is why um, believers in Jesus will never be misled uh, to believe a false gospel. They just won't because they can't be. Um, John 6, 45. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught by God. Um, who? How do we know how to rely on Christ alone? We're taught by God how to do it. From the day I was saved, when I was about 18 years old, my confidence for getting into heaven was in Jesus, never my works. I never have believed or thought, had even a moment where I thought, well, the, the, the Holy Spirit at work in my heart has made me a lot better. I mean, there's a lot of sin I don't struggle with anymore. That's really far. There's a lot gone. There's a lot that used to be a problem for me. It's not, not much of a problem anymore. I always have to keep my guard up against certain sins. You never let your guard down. But God has done a lot of work in my life and has helped me be a better husband, a better father, a better Christian, a better employee, a better, a better everything. But no, at no point in my life would I ever think, and that's going to play some role in getting me to heaven. No, I've always known. There's enough ill motives and bad stuff in there. That, that could not satisfy the holiness of God. What's going to get me into heaven is the shed blood and the imputed righteousness of Christ alone. And my faith, my confidence for getting into heaven has never been in anything other than or in anything alongside of the finished work of Christ. Grace is not an aid that helps us become good enough to go to heaven. That's just not, that's not what the scripture is talking about when it speaks of grace. Grace is the favor of God on account of Christ. It is a disposition within God that he freely gives to undeserving sinners whereby he saves them. He saves them. Okay. All right. Uh, um, Melanie Hart, thank you for this. My husband and I are going to Italy to be missionaries. I know we're up against there. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Melanie, the main the main thing you got to get with Roman Catholic. I lived in Roman Catholic Mecca uh, for the majority of my life. Almost all my coaches and teachers and teammates and classmates were uh, at least nominal Roman Catholics. So I grew up around that stuff all the time. The key thing is to get them into the text of Scripture. Yes, you do need to know how to argue against their their claims about apostolic succession and all that kind of stuff, and you need to understand uh, things about the papacy, their false doctrine about Mary and everything else. But the main thing that they need is contact with Scripture. If you can do a Bible study and like read through Romans with one of them, just sit down and say, "Okay, I'm not going to directly go after your your Catholic ideas and that your the doctrines about Mary and things like." That. Let's just go to the Scriptures. Let's just let's read through John's Gospel together. See if you can get one of them to sit down. Um, let's read through the Gospel of John together. Let's read through Romans together. Because the Bible doesn't teach Catholicism. The scriptures do not teach this false system, and they don't. And so if you can get people to read it, uh, they'll see that. Paul does not teach teach Romanism. 
in the book of Romans. Okay, if you can get them into the text of scripture, um, they'll they'll see it plainly, clearly. Um, and you have to remember the reason that knowledgeable Catholic people constantly viciously attack Sola Scriptura is they are well aware of that fact. If someone still believes in Sola Scriptura, they're not going to give them the time of day. They're not going to give them the time of day about the, the idea of Mary being bodily assumed into heaven as spelled out by the document Munesefentissimus. That's the name of the Munesefentissimus is the document, as I recall, that um, spells out the doctrine of the bodily assumption of the Virgin Mary. Okay, they're not going to see that. And so they have to, to attack scripture. They've got to attack your confidence in scripture. And they'll try to say, oh, there's 86,000 denominations. Always remember, when they do that, they're comparing apples and oranges. They're comparing one denomination with a rule of faith. You need to compare rules of faith with rules of faith. Their rule of faith is scripture plus an infallible interpreter. Our rule of faith is scripture alone. So let's, let's look at denominations, groups that practice Sola Scriptura. Uh, the Continental Reformed Churches, uh, the Historic Presbyterian Churches, the Lutheran Churches, and the Reformed Baptist Churches practice Sola Scriptura. We have the same God, same gospel, same doctrine of justification, same understanding of the Christian life, and we all practice Sola Scriptura. Four groups that practice Scripture plus an infallible interpreter. The Branch Davidians, Romanism, Eastern Orthodoxy, the Jehovah's Witnesses, we'll, we'll, one more we'll say the Mormons. Different God, different gospel, different way of salvation, different understanding of the Christian life. Scripture plus an infallible interpreter has led to an even greater number of religious cults. And plus the, the groups that, that meaningfully try to practice Sola Scriptura are significantly more united on the essentials of the Christian faith. But like that quotation uh, from Cyril of Jerusalem's catechetical lectures, with regard to the divine and holy mysteries of the faith, not the least part may be handed on without the holy scriptures. Even to me who tell you these things, do not give ready assent unless you receive the proof of them from the holy scriptures. Okay, man, I didn't even get through hardly any of this guy's email. I'll have to do another program because he sent me another email um, saying that Rome Romanism sounds a lot like Arminianism. And he's right, it does. Uh, Rome and the Arminians have a lot in common. In fact, I, I've often described Arminianism as popeless Catholicism because it, it's basically the same doctrine, same doctrine of grace. And that's why the council fathers of the Synod of Dort kept calling Arminianism Pelagianism, Pelagianism, thus they bring out of hell the Pelagian error because they attribute to man the decisive ability there. And that's just not what scripture teaches. Okay, I've got so much work to do still. But anyway, um, 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 um. so someone, someone, there's an ex-Mormon. Who, wait, 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 who's, who's that? Who's that? Who said that? Um, I'm an ex-Mormon. Yeah, Nancy Gray, you're an ex-Mormon. Wow. Yeah, I would love to hear hear your story. Is it If it's um, online somewhere, I'd love to, to read it or to hear it or something. Okay, okay. Um, 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 um. I have no unessential things or telltale signs of a fake Christian. Very good. Is that Lily? Lily, is that you? Um. Louis, did you say that? But how could you damn them like you did? You are not God. <laughs> um, no one's ever been saved by a false gospel, by believing a false gospel. Uh, simple. It's plain and simple. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and call it quits there. Um, let me put my email address in case anyone wants to email. 
any questions or dialogue or whatever, but I appreciate uh, the new folks. Uh, thank you all for being here. Thank you all for watching or for listening. And uh, we'll see you next time. I wanted to do some more podcasts this week, uh, but I just didn't uh, I uh, didn't have time. Uh, life is just too busy lately. So anyway, good to see you all on the, the channel over there. And I uh, love you all. Um, press on. Be vigilant. Uh, let's see. Let me read it. Watch. Stand fast in the faith. Be brave. Be strong. First Corinthians 16, 13. See ya.